Imagine a friend or a loved one comes to you with a dilemma. They're wrestling with a dilemma, and they want your wisdom. They want your advice. I've been dating my boyfriend. I've been dating my girlfriend for 18 months. It's good, but it's not great. Is this the one? I was hoping if it was the one, there would be spark and sparkle. Not feeling the spark or sparkle. Should I continue or should I go break off and maybe go to the dating market? But that just seems so horrible. What should I do? Or, you know, I'm at a job. It's safe. It's secure. But I don't love my job. Don't love it. And it's not exciting, and somebody reached out with kind of a startup thing and be a pay cut and not as secure. Should I stay where I'm at, or should I take the leap? Or somebody really ticked me off. They said something. They did something. Got under my skin. I'm simmering and stewing about it. Should I talk to him? But if I talk to him, it's going to make it worse. If I don't talk to him, I just, I'm choking out. What should I do? Now, here's my question. You are hearing this from your friend or your loved one. What's your job? How can you be most helpful? Is your job to be the answer person? Is your job to just, you know, you've heard their story, you have an opinion, just share your opinion. I think the answer is stay, go. Are you the dispenser of wisdom? Are you the prescriber of remedies? Or is there a whole other way to think about this? So a guy named Adam Grant, the professor at UPenn, the thinker of the speaker on TED Talks that are countless, and an author of some really good books, has just written an Instagram post that really struck me as profound. He talks about what he calls the difference between good mentors and great mentors. I'll quote him. Good mentors share lessons from their experience. Great mentors help you crystallize lessons from your experience. Good mentors give useful answers. Great mentors help you ask better questions. Good mentors walk you through their path. Great mentors help you identify your own path. In other words, to be a good mentor, you just give the person who comes up to you your answer. But to be a great mentor, to be a really great and helpful presence, is sometimes to bite your tongue and not to give your answer, but to ask questions that will help the other person find their own answer. If it's your answer, it doesn't necessarily land. 
But if you help the other person arrive at their own answer in their own time, that answer lands. Why am I bringing this up right before Yizkor? So I think this whole issue is about, in the deepest sense, how do you do a human relationship? What's at the bottom? What's at the base? What's at the foundation of a healthy human relationship? And I think the wisdom from Adam Grant's post, and I'll tell you what I have seen here in 24 years, is that the answer is you want to see the other person for who they are and not for who you want them to be. Can you see the other person for who they are? Can you help them become the person they want to become and not the person that you want them to become? And I'll, I'll tell you how this manifests itself literally every time. 100% of the times that I'm with a family that has just lost a loved one, the algorithm for how much love and true loss they feel is very simple. If they feel that the other person that has passed away, there's different ways to express this. They loved me for me. They loved me unconditionally. They were not judgmental. Then that just inspires real love and real loss. But if you start hearing words like, and there are words, there's a formula for this. You know, my father, my mother, they had very exacting standards. Beware of exacting standards. My father, my mother, they could be very critical. My father, my mother, my grandparent, very judgmental. I always quite felt like I wasn't measuring up. Then that just creates a lot of ambivalence and a lot of complexity. I'll give you an example uh, of what this looks like. Once there was uh, a man who passed away after a number of years of decline. And he had two daughters, and in all my years, I never saw more devoted daughters to their adult father taking care of him for both of them almost became a full-time job. And I saw this over the years, like the focus of their adult life, both of them. And they were very different from one another. But the focus, both of them, was taking care of their father, and it was hours a day every day. And I always wondered, where did that come from? Because that kind of devotion you can't buy on the open market, and you can't guilt it, and you can't compel it, and you can't command it. You can only, that father must have done something that inspired that. What did he do? What was the secret sauce? When he passed away, I finally heard the answer to the secret sauce. It was as follows. When this father grew up, he grew into a family where his father was a rabbi, and his grandfather was a rabbi, and his great-grandfather was a rabbi, times nine generations. And he was always expected to be the 10th generation rabbi. 
with his mother's milk, he knew he was to be the 10th generation rabbi. And there was only one problem with that. He liked Judaism well enough, and in fact, he was a lifelong, very serious Jew, but he wanted to be a doctor. He loved science. He wanted to be a doctor. And once at a high school back to school, his father, the ninth generation rabbi, was meeting with the science teacher. And the science teacher told the father, you know, I know that it's expected that your son is going to become the 10th generation rabbi. We all know that about him. But I just need you to know that his face lights up whenever he learns science. And I actually think what he really wants to become is a healer and a doctor. So this guy's father, the ninth generation rabbi, after the back-to-school conference, said to his son, nine generations of rabbis is more than enough. You do you. You be you. If you want to become a doctor, by all means, go ahead. And this father felt loved in a radically unconditional way, seen in a beautiful way for who he was and who he wanted to be. And it generated tremendous love for his father, but also when he raised his daughters. His mantra was, you do you, and you be you. And he loved them the same way he had been loved by his father. And that resulted in undying love. So here we are at Iskor, and we remember all kinds of people. And some of the people we love and remember today got the Adam Grant memo without ever getting the Adam Grant memo. They just instinctively knew the difference between good mentors and great mentors. They just instinctively knew that the way to love somebody is to see them for who they are and who they want to be and not for who you want them to be. And, and they just got that. And if that's the kind of person that you're remembering today, they loved you for you, then our work this morning is gratitude, acknowledgement of their wisdom, and also to get that we're really equipped for this moment. We're equipped for life without them physically because their path was always to inspire us to find our own path. We can still hear their voices. We can still hear their questions. We can still feel their support that we find our own way. But what if the person that you love and remember today didn't get the Adam Grant memo? What if they're a prescriber? What if they're an answer person? What if their mode with you was, I have the answer, do my answer? And that didn't quite feel great then and doesn't feel great all these years later. Okay. Okay, that's life. So then our move is, I think, twofold. One is to love our more complex loved ones for who they are, to realize that their mode came from a place of deep love. They loved us, and that was how they reflected it. But it's also to learn from them. Sometimes we learn from our loved ones what to do, and sometimes we learn from our loved ones what not to do. 
And so the question I leave you with is what tweaks do you need to make? I mean, their stories are over. Your story is not over. You're in the middle of your story. We're in the middle of our story. What tweaks do we need to make to do a better job of loving the people in our lives for who they are and for who they want to be? Because when we figure that out, and when we can love them unconditionally, that will generate an unconditional love right back that will never die. Please rise.